Hi, and welcome back to Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks. And if you're just joining us, our focus is holistic wellness and the latest in natural ways to keep us all healthy. Well, here on Healing Quest, we've talked a lot about the power of love to heal. And in our view, uh, that's a universal truth, and yet something we need to be (laughs) regularly reminded of for some reason. And that's why we were attracted to a recently released book by psychologist Michael Tobin. It's titled, Riding the Edge, A Love Song to Deborah. The book begins by celebrating a six-month bike track that Michael and Deborah took across Europe in the early days of their courtship, and how that trip influenced the many dimensions of their next 47 years together. One reviewer called it one of the bravest books I've read this year, a book that will have readers redefining the meaning of love and commitment. So joining us now via Zoom from Jerusalem is author Michael Tobin. Welcome to Healing Quest, Michael. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And so what what time is it in Jerusalem right now? 11:12 in the evening. Okay. So you're probably getting, just getting dressed and getting ready to go out. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, know, maybe if we go turn the clock back about 55 years, that might be the case. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of years, you said that this book took you more than 40 years to write. Uh, You started writing this book in 1987 and didn't finish it until after Deborah was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in November of 2018. That's a long time for the creative process to be at work. I guess I also wasn't ready. I don't think it was mature enough and enough perspective to tell the story properly. Here I am. I'm writing it in the present. So I'm writing it as if I'm a a guy in his early 30s going on this journey. Yet on the other hand, I was in my 70s writing the book. I I couldn't have written the book in my 30s. I didn't have any perspective. I didn't understand the meaning of it. I didn't understand lessons learned. It took us, it took me a long time. And the other thing was, it was really special for me to write the, write a chapter, read it to Deborah and see that it would, it would stimulate memory for her. And she had a very positive reaction. And uh, that was also incredibly rewarding. And I, and I did something different this time also. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write this book with an agent in mind, with a publisher in mind. I'm going to write it for the pure enjoyment of writing and recreating this experience. And I have a, one of my computers here, I have a quote that I discovered that was written in 1933 by a reporter named Cyril Connolly. It said, better to write for yourself and have no public than to write for the public and have no self. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yes, it is. It was my, actually, it was my mantra for throughout this writing process. The main title of the book is Writing the Edge. Uh, What does that refer to? Uh, I think it it refers to actually metaphorically uh, that to experience life fully, sometimes you have to be at the edge, not in the safe (laughs) center. And I think this whole journey was about being on the edge. It wasn't being in a safe center where we could predict or see what would be around the bend. And the closer you are to the edge, the more you can see the waterfall and hear the waterfall on the side of the road, and you can experience things more intensely. So I think that's metaphorically the whole trip was riding the edge. It was about the the you know the edge of our comfort zones 
entering into the into the arena of uncertainty. I think that's what you know, I mean by the riding the edge. What are some of the things that you found in this journey, let's just say in, in the last few years with Deborah, that you think would be useful for anybody out there that might be dealing with a partner that has Alzheimer's and and really struggling? Is there any advice you would have for them? Yes, I think first and foremost, I would say, be aware of your own emotional experience. You can't, if you if someone you love, someone who's dear to you is going through something as uh, sadly uh, powerful like Alzheimer's in which the personality of the individual fades from day to day, you have to deal with your own emotional sense of loss Sometimes I know I went through the classic case of, you know, classic stages of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross mm-hmm. um, uh, grief, faith, death and dying. And I was angry at first. I was at first I was in denial. Then uh, I was angry and then I was mourning and then I came to acceptance. And when I think about the early days of dealing with Deborah's Alzheimer's, I mean, I, I squirm at, at some of the things that I did. Like, you know, I would say, you know, you, that's not the way it happened. I would tell her she was wrong. Oh. You know? and, and um, it, I couldn't come to terms at first with it. I was losing my lifetime partner. I, we met in, in 1974. We'd been together. We raised four children, lots of grandchildren. We, you know, built a very successful life here in Israel I was losing my best friend and my, and I said, my soulmate. And uh, it took me time to say, to let go and to really treat her with dignity. And as I say to her sometimes, when she says she wants to go for a walk and she, we have a caretaker now and I, the caretaker needs to, you know, be in, be counsel, keep an eye on her. And because she can easily get lost and has gotten lost and she's, you know, fall and there have been a number of different incidents. She says, what, don't you trust me? I said, sweetie, I trust you with my life. It's Alzheimer's I don't trust. It's, and that's the difference. I think that I'm, you know, I don't get mad anymore. I don't have any anger towards Deborah or towards Alzheimer's. I think Alzheimer's is an insidious illness uh, and sadly enough for which there's no cure. Um, but I think that I'm learning to love a different Deborah. And I'm learning to be, you know, a caretaker and um, to accept the fact that uh, as painful as it is, you know, my children are losing their mother. I have four kids and uh, grandchildren are losing their grandmother and I'm losing my you know, beloved wife. And um, but as we said, this is the unpredictable nature of of life. But I'm not um, depressed. I'm, you know. In some respects, I'm I'm in one of the more creative phases in my life. I think it's, you know, pain is sometimes a wonderful muse for creativity. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, I I would agree with uh, your publisher and people. You know, everything happens in its own time. Mm -hmm. And that this is the perfect time for this book. Not only, I I would venture to say, not only for Deborah, but for your healing. That you know, writing writing is very therapeutic, and mm-hmm. 
So I just have one quick question before we run out of time on a somewhat lighter note. Um, food is a big part of this book. And, and I know that you have experience as a restaurateur and, uh, and other things. I, 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 I saw a reference in this book to some family members putting ketchup on steak. And I thought that, <laughs> and I just wanted to un unpack that a little bit. Is that like a, is that a sin here that we need to be? <laughs> What's that about? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people who put ketchup. I on never steak. do, but I know. Maybe and, and maybe it was because I, when I see that happening, I get judgmental. So maybe that's that was. <laughs> <laughs> it triggered something in you, huh? <laughs> my my son was. He doesn't do it anymore. Now he's 34 years, he's 35 years old. But when he was a kid, I would say, why am I wasting this good steak on this boy? <laughs> <laughs> he's just slurring it with ketchup. <laughs> so there, that answers my question. I knew there was a, there was a takeaway there that I could learn, that I could maybe, you know, I, I had it available as a, 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 if that was a teachable moment, sometimes else in my life, I may quote you on, so, on, on, on how, how, the, how to properly treat a, a filet mignon. You know, it's interesting, I, I, Roy, is that having lived abroad for so many years now, you know, I'm still obviously, I'm still very much of an American, but I'm also, you know, I'm an American and I'm an Israeli and both. But if there's one way that people make fun of Americans, it's ketchup on things. <laughs> <laughs> well, rightfully so to make fun of us. <laughs> well, I, I Michael, I, I would love to leave our leaders, our leaders, <laughs> our uh, our. our, our our listeners, I, I, I have just one last question for you before we close, and, and that is, what would you like to, uh, you know, what is your hope for the readers that, that read your book? What's the big takeaway from your book for everyone? Uh, my takeaway from this is that wherever you are, you don't have to go on around the world bicycle journeys to find yourself. If that were the case, it would, you know, nobody would ever find themselves. They get lost somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's too much to ask the people that you have to radically disrupt your life. But I would say that wherever you are, wherever you live, whatever you do, with whomever you are, you can do everything more. You can choose to live life more intensely, more alive, to learn more, to listen more, to experience more. Uh, you know, you only get one chance at this, at least as far as I know. I mean, I don't know if I'm, you know, a, a reincarnation of whatever, but um, <laughs> as far as I know, this is my chance. And what happens in the next world, I have no idea. But I have some idea about what, what to do in this world. And I would say is live life fully, totally, and absolutely through the good times and the difficult times. I would just say amen. Amen. <laughs> yes. Great. I Yes, and uh, I I would say thank you so much for uh, you know spending some time with us today and yeah. and share, sharing this book. It's a great read. It's fun. It's it's uh, it, it's an adventure, and it is a love song to your wife. And I I think that's 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 beautiful. Mm -hmm. And and you know we wish you both the, the the best of everything right now. We've been speaking with psychologist Michael Tobin about his recently released book, Riding the Edge: A Love Song to Deborah. It's available online now and in bookstores. And if you'd like to learn more about Dr. Tobin and access his articles on marriage and family relationships, along with aging and health and fitness and travel, visit his website at michaeltobin.com. And he was telling us that um, I think 
in the next few days, he's going to be uh, being featured, have featured articles in uh, Psychology Today. So you can find that online or on his website. Up next, Judy's Wild Woman Wisdom segment with singer-songwriter Karen Drucker on the topic of taming your inner critic. And don't forget, podcasts of every Healing Quest show are available now on our website, HealingQuest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Radio. 